Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. As we've called the series, Guess Who? And really, it's all about isolating insecurity. In fact, last week I shared how that for many years, even though I was in a secure Christian family, I struggled with second-guessing myself and doubting who I was, and I really was hidden under a whole lot of insecurity. But uh, even in that environment, I never heard anybody teach or bring understanding that we can find answers to everything when we let God into our lives. And that's a great thing. I'm sure you can identify with me that all of us have these feelings of at times not being good enough. Uh, As I said, even feeling like we could not be what God wants us to be. I'll never forget years and years ago, high-profile ministries like Joyce Meyer. I was, in fact, in America, and I was sharing with her staff, and we had some time together with her and David, and I just talked to them about insecurity, and I said, how about you, Joyce? Do you feel it? You are a worldwide ministry. She said, all the time. I've got to learn to really deal to it, she said. Reinhard Bonnke, he was here in New Zealand, and I managed to have a meal, and I brought it up with him. I said, Pastor Reinhardt, I said, you've seen God move powerfully. Your ministry has been so effective. One meeting, you saw over a million people in Africa make a decision for Christ. Have you ever felt not worthy? Have you had to battle with insecurity? You know his response? All the time. And I want to encourage you today, because you see, all of us are riddled with insecurity, and we need to learn to isolate it so that it doesn't isolate us. Some of the thoughts I wrote this week is that insecurity really creates self-doubt. When you're doubting yourself, insecurity is at play. It causes intimidation. That kind of feeling, as I'm saying, that I'm not strong enough, big enough, it, it actually seeks to control, believe it or not. What do you mean by that? Did you know that all insecurity is not on people that just don't get into the mix and hide in the corner? No, people that have to dominate other people are representing their own insecurity. Insecurity reduces, it lowers confidence. And maybe today you go, Paul, you're talking to me. Well, I know I'm talking to me, and I'm praying that God is going to cause you to rise to new levels because insecurity will cause us all to struggle to believe for more. And particularly at times like the present, when we're surrounded with what seems to be bad news, the enemy is there. And I pray today that every one of us will learn how to isolate insecurity. Because you see, the picture I had this week, I was thinking, God, give me a picture of how to describe insecurity. It's kind of like a whole pile of rubbish that is over top of us. It's a pile of insecurity that is is debris that's trying to cover us from understanding who God designed us to be. That's the title. Guess who? I wonder who we're going to find when we deal with insecurity. I wonder if we're going to be positively impressed by who we really were made to be, the potential we're able to discover, and, and also the freedom that every one of us can experience. If you've been a part of life or you've listened to me share from my heart over many, many years, I often come back to a very powerful chapter. Why? Because it's helped shape me and particularly 
in this area of insecurity. It comes out of Isaiah 60, and I want to read it again today, and I just pray that there's going to be a moment of exchange. There's going to be a moment where the Holy Spirit is going to take our hearts and cause us to see something we've never seen before. This is what the Bible says, arise, shine. Even that is pregnant with the wonder of how God's designed us to live. Arise, shine, for thy light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Here's the thought. Rising precedes shining. The enemy wants to keep you and I under this debris of insecurity so that we never really see the daylight of the potential that God has for us. But God says, don't stay in that place of being contained. It's time to arise and to shine. Then he says, for behold, darkness, what does it do? It covers the earth. We know what that's like right now. And gross darkness, deep darkness, the people. Here it is, the picture of this pile that the enemy is using to cause us to doubt, become discouraged, and stay small. And I think the enemy often whispers to us, and he says this. I know I've experienced this hundreds of times. Well, who the heck are you to stand? Who do you think you are to be able to rise above? I've often recounted how Adam and Eve, they listened to the enemy. And what did they end up doing? They ended up hiding from God. They were no longer standing in the stature that God designed them to be. They were hiding. And as you understand the story, in fact, Genesis 3 verse 9, God called to Abraham and he said to him, hey, Abraham, where are you? Man, I would have loved to be there. Where are you? And Abraham responded, well, I heard your voice in the garden, but I was afraid, so I went and hid myself. Insecurity, the result of being separated from God. He's undercover. He's again in this place where he doesn't understand that God has called him to a bigger and better life. I wonder what current potential is being hidden from us because of the lie of the enemy right now. Maybe today the Holy Spirit is wanting to say to you, it's time to stand up through the debris and see something. I mean, the, I wonder how much of the God that you serve is restrained from being able to unlock your and my potential because of the cover of this insecurity. It's very quiet out there today. I hope you're responding. I'm trusting that you are. And God goes on in verse 11, and he says to Adam and Eve, so who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you didn't have what you needed? Who told you that you were somebody that should run and hide? Uh, didn't you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat? I think sometimes all of us find ourselves in this place where we feel less than. And today, if that's where you are, I'm here to bring a great encouragement. You know, the enemy's plan is always one of isolation. And if you read that scripture again, you'll hear these echoes. Hey, where are you? Where are you today? I know you're watching online. I know you're watching one of the networks. I know that maybe you're on your computer and 
And here you are, you're hearing the message, but where are you ready, really? And, and who told you that it's the end and you can't advance from here? And what are you believing is literally what he says. Are you going to believe the enemy that you should eat the fruit and you'll be better for it? Or are you going to believe me? Remember, arise, shine, Isaiah 60 says. It says it's time to get up. And then in verse 2, it goes on and says, but the Lord, man, I love this. When I don't feel I can stand up, but the Lord will arise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. Imagine. Imagine today walking away from this message and going, God, your glory is covering me. It's rising on the inside of me and it's going to be seen by others. Then the Bible says, you realize the Gentiles, the non-believers are going to come to your light and kings will come to the rising of your brightness. As I said, I think this is a scripture I have used often, but I know even this week as I've been preparing, it's like God saying, Paul, you still got to believe this more. You've got to believe that you can rise through the debris of insecurity because if you don't isolate that insecurity, it is going to isolate you. What do you think today the effect of insecurity has in your current world? I never believed that I was able to do what God asked me to be or to do rather. I I. I always kind of questioned myself because of these unidentified limitations. And last week, as we talked about insecurity, we talked about how we need to isolate unsecured personal value. If I can't accept me, if I don't begin to value the gift of me, who God designed and created me to be, if, if I don't secure that, I might believe it when I'm in the presence of a faith-filled environment. But when I'm in COVID and when I'm in lockdown and when I just get to see me just about every day, and that's about it in the mirror, have I secured that I've got personal value? You see, insecurity will always diminish our acceptance. And we talked about David, incredible, incredible story of one man's life. He was a shepherd boy. Then he was a songwriter. So obviously, he had learned to play the harp out in the wilderness, looking after the sheep, and he used to worship God. He was a giant slayer. He became a king. What a story. And then he sinned while he was a king. And yet David, through all of that, somehow was to have the ability, rather, to secure his value, that personal value, that God was his God. Remember Psalm 139? We talked about it last week. These were the confessions that I said will help every one of us secure personal value. I was created by you. That's what David said. I was de designed special. I have great potential. I'm constantly God on your mind, and I am never alone. Great message last week. I want you to go over it again. Listen to it this week. And so when we say, guess who? I wonder who you really are. I wonder what God has designed me to become. This isolating, 
unsecured personal value. I want to secure the fact that I'm in God's design. I want to go on to a second major key is to isolate unhealthy comparison. Learning to speak to comparison and saying, you will not have center stage in my life. You will not have the dominion that you've had in my past. You are not going to direct and determine who I am. There's an institute called the Albert Ellis Institute, and this was their finding. The danger of comparing ourselves to others is that our comparisons are never fair. Each one of us is a unique individual, they say, with characteristics and also life events that are unique to only us. Unless you've been cloned at birth and your clone has been following you around and engaging in everything that you have engaged in, down to the way you think, I'm pretty certain, said the professor, when I say that comparing yourself to another is a dead end. Wow. So how often are we comparing ourselves? How often do we feel kind of overcome in this debris of insecurity because we're looking at others and going, well, I'm not that good and I'm not that gifted. I'm not somebody that's in that place where I can see the way that God wants me to see. In Disney's Snow White movie, some of you will remember when the Wicked Witch stares in the mirror, she asks this very basic question. Who then is the fairest of them all? It's a natural and actually a human question that all of us have a tendency to ask. But the mirror of comparison, listen to this, is a cracked mirror. It will never give you true perspective. Soon as you or I begin to compare with others, we are in a place where we are increasing the debris over our potential. I think one of the strongest verses around this subject is when Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12. This is what he said. For we dare not class ourselves or commend ourselves but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves amongst themselves, hear it, are not wise. Soon as we compare and we begin to measure ourselves amongst ourselves, everyone around us, we are not wise. And there is a challenge. You know, I love to sort of tinker practically and around home I did some restoration work earlier on in my life on buildings, and I just love projects. If you've done any carpentry at all and you've used wood, there's a saying that goes, if you're going to build something, make something, make sure you measure twice and cut once. In other words, as soon as you cut it, that's the end of it. I want to encourage you today to think again before you accept what you have begun to believe because of what the enemy has said over you and begin to say, I'm not meant to be someone else. I'm not meant to be like someone around me. I'm going to be who God designed me to be. 
to be. I'm going to secure my personal value and I am literally going to isolate every unhealthy comparison. We can learn from each other. That's healthy comparison. But unhealthy comparison is when you measure, when I measure myself against someone else. Verse 13, Paul says, we, however, are going to be people that will boast not beyond our measure, but within the limits of the sphere that God appointed us. In other words, that we are going to be people that accept God's made something for us to live. He has this wonderful design on our life, and we are going to confront all forms of comparison. A big thought around this, I feel, is this thought that unhealthy comparison robs the discovery of contentment. It's amazing, isn't it, when you meet people who have gained a lot in this world, and there's nothing wrong with that, but sometimes if they've never dealt with this comparison, they still are not content. I wonder how much contentment is oozing out of your life. Uh, We all know the feelings, and this is what insecurity does, where we try to measure up to someone else. But remember what Paul says. He says, make sure you dare not, never, ever compare yourself. It's not what we should do. And I think sometimes we've got to shift what's on inside of us, the internal ruler, how we measure who we are, and make sure that we're not measuring who we are against someone around us. Uh, the, 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 The wonder of personal significance has to come out of making sure that we will not compare with others. And I think comparison diminishes, it really diminishes our ability to become who God designed us to be. There's a funny story. Uh, If you're as old as me, you'd have heard of a guy called Charlie Chapman. And uh, he was in France one day, and in France, they were doing this lookalike contest, and it was the one that looked most like Charlie Chapman. In fact, it was back in 1975, several years before he passed away, and uh, they had all of these people line up in France to see who was most like Charlie Chapman. Well, he thought to himself, I'm going to enter that. And I know the prize is good, so I'm pretty, pretty sure I'm going to get prize. Anyway, here's what happened. He ended up being third. <laughs> third at the end. It was the real McCoy, but people thought he was third closest. I think that's a good question. How close are we to the design that God created us to be? How much comparison is deciding and shaping how we respond? I found myself when I read it this week, would I have come third or 10th? Or maybe I am so different because of what I think other people want me to be, I don't even know who I want to be. Remember the quote, if you or I don't isolate insecurity, it is going to isolate us. So how do I reduce comparison? That's a big question. How do I isolate this unhealthy comparison? I think there's a couple of thoughts I just want to bring today, and I hope these are thoughts that you can reflect on and think about. The first would be this. 
understand, I'm thinking about my own journey, understand it's not all about you. You might go, wow, that's a bit harsh, Paul. Now think about this. You are not meant to be everything. You are not meant to be the ambitions of those that are around you. They may inspire you, but don't be controlled by them. The fact that I'm a part of a bigger picture has released this control of comparison and, and, and to isolate this unhealthy comparison. I've had to say over and over again, you know what? It's not all about me. It's, it's, I don't have to do everything. In ministry, as you can imagine, people want you to align with who they are and be what they want you to be. I think that's part of our human nature. But I've realized that it's not all about me, that I'm part of a team. I've got a part to play, but I don't have to do everything. I've just got to do and be who God designed me to be. I'm praying that even right now, God is going to reach into hearts and minds and say, stop trying to be someone else. Stop trying to live somebody else's agenda. Remember, it's not all about you. You've got a part to play. Uh, last year, I think it was when we were sharing around legacy, one of the things that I thought about, we talked about Sir Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay climbing, making the first summit of Everest. But what a lot of people don't realize, there were 500 in the party, 500 and plus. And there were a couple that climbed the mountain, but they could not have done it unless everybody played their part. Recently here, we've been watching the Olympics and uh, it's amazing to see champions do incredible things, but there isn't a champion without a team. And I want to encourage you today, uh, you've got to dismantle the lie that you've got to do it all because unhealthy comparison always over promotes self. Saul and David is a great story. If you look at David's life again in 1 Samuel 17, what does David do? He kills Goliath. And I love it when you read it. He actually takes Goliath's head that he chopped off and he brings it back to Jerusalem. And there in Jerusalem, he also places Goliath's armor. It's like a trophy. In his own house, he says, I took down this giant. Talk about dealing with his personal value. He knew who he was in God. And then King Saul, when, they, when he saw him coming back from fighting the Philistines, he saw he was a man that was marked, a man that was able. And do you know what the king did? King Saul put him as the one that was over all of the men of war. If you know the story well, you'll, you'll know that 1 Samuel 18 tells us that when David was returning from a great slaughter of the Philistines, the women came out with harps and timbrels and they began to sing. And this is what they began to sing. Yes, Saul has slain his thousands, but David, he has slain his tens of thousands. That's an amazing moment. There was the uprising of the next generation. There was the wonder of potential. But this is how Saul responded when he heard it in verse 8 of 1 Samuel 18. The Bible says that Saul was very angry. And so Saul eyed David from that day forward. What that actually means is that Saul the king decided he was going to get rid of David. Why? 
because now David was the hero. David had done more than he had ever done. Insecurity will tell all of us you're a failure. But you know what he was really doing is he was comparing what he had achieved with what David had now achieved. And you see, his problem, if you know anything about Saul, is that he was head and shoulders above everyone else. His size, everything about his life was, I'm the one that can do it. But the Bible says when God demoted him from king was because of this thought that Saul became big in his own eyes. Whenever we begin to see ourselves differently than what God sees us, you see, comparison uses words like, I'm the best, or it's the best, it's the greatest, it's the most valuable, I'm the most valuable, and it uses that as its measuring stick. That's not what God says. God calls us to understand that it's not all about you, because if it's all about you, you're going to be locked under the debris of comparison. C.S. Lewis is an incredible writer. I love some of the things that he writes. He says this, we say that people are proud of being rich or clever. Some people are proud of being good looking. Actually, here's the case. They are proud of being richer than someone else, cleverer than someone else, or being better looking that's than someone else. To me, it's an unhealthy thing when it has to be the biggest, the best, the greatest. No, we are just part of the picture early years of life when we started the church, things were so small and, and uh, we had people of larger churches coming in and ministering from time to time. And I found myself in a weak moment beginning to compare what we didn't have with who they were. And I'll never forget this moment where God says, you realize it's not your kingdom. You realize it's not your ministry, really. You've accepted it, but it's not yours, it's mine. I think today, even in the church, in Christendom, in all of our lives to a degree, we've got to realize this is not all about us. Stop comparing. Do your part. Run through and be faithful in your season, and God will do the rest. I want to close with the second thought. It's not all about us. That's how we're going to isolate unhealthy comparison. But secondly, we've got to remember that God values all of us from the inside out, not the outside in. God doesn't look at the size of the man, doesn't look at the accomplishes, accomplishments of the human being. God looks at what's happening on the inside and years and years of working with people, the tragedies that I've seen, particularly with people that are most gifted because accolades come when on the outside you have it all. But God says, no, even to the ones that said, well, we prophesied in your name and we cast out devils in your name. You know what Jesus said? Yeah, but depart from me because I never knew you. Everything about God, even the health and the ability to overcome insecurity begins on the inside of who we are. Let's go back to David in the early years. He's out in the desert. He's looking after sheep. And you'll know the story too. Samuel, the prophet, is called to anoint the new king of Israel the king that would follow Saul. And so he goes to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, and God says, the king is one of his sons. And he asks Jesse, the father, to bring the boys and seven boys line up. And 
And Saul, the prophet, looks at the oldest boy, his name's Eliab, and he's bigger than everyone else. He is in the king's army. He looks like the candidate and he says, surely this is the one. But God said to him, Samuel, he's not the one that I've chosen. So then Samuel went to the next boy and the next boy and the next boy and the next boy. In fact, all seven. And you know, God said every time, no, no, no. And I love verse seven of 1 Samuel 16. The Lord said to Samuel, do not look at the appearance or at the physical stature because I have refused Eliab. For the Lord does not see as man sees, but God looks on the outward appearance. Uh, yeah, man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Every time we gauge who we are and we compare because of what's on the outside, we've missed the rhythm of breaking down insecurity and being who we are. Samuel then said to Jesse after he had seen all the sons, are all of the young men here? Because he had asked for all of them to come. Then the dad said, oh, there remains one. He's the youngest. And he's out there keeping the sheep. You know, God is watching us today. I think God is looking at how we respond in our today. And God is at a place where he is wanting us to realize that we don't have to or never should be isolating under insecurity or under shame or the feeling of being less than. Imagine being the son that was never asked to come to meet the prophet. Imagine being the son that didn't get to sit around the dinner table because he was serving with the sheep. Maybe you feel like for you, those feelings of inadequacy are so strong that you don't know if you'll ever break the cycle. Well, I want you to know that God doesn't see as man sees. God values from inside out. And you know what God said? He says, bring him here. Let me put it another way. I've chosen him. I feel today and I feel prophetically that God is saying to some, my hand's on you. It may be not working the way you think it should right now, but my hand is for you and around you. In verse 12 of 1 Samuel 16, so he sent and brought him in. And this young boy, he was ruddy, a bit like me, red complexion. He had bright eyes. He was good looking, definitely. And the Lord said, arise and anoint him, for this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil, anointed him in the middle of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. Today, I want to tell you that God is not impressed by your outside. God is not oppressed by your accomplishments. God is looking for a willing heart. God empowers us to stand again. God births freedom in who we are and for our future within a surrendered heart. Hey, God is not looking for the tallest. Logan, he's not looking for the tallest. That's an inside joke. Hey, God's not looking for the strongest. Tim Seggs, no, he's not looking for the strongest. Again, inside joke. God is not looking for the one who's got the top job. Sorry, PDJ. God's not looking for what you can do. 
He's not concerned about what's on the outside of you. He's looking for your heart. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you were encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life. And we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at any of our Auckland campuses. If you're not in Auckland, then check us out, church online, wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifenz.org or download the Life app to stay connected and find out more.